you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. Welcome to the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes, Stitcher, and NFL.com/slash/sheck. Black tie behind the glass. You were a split second late on that. Please keep up because we have a lot to get to here in a little while. Something I've wanted to do for many, many, many moons. Talk about the New England Patriots, the closest to a dynasty as the NFL has had in the 21st century. We're going to be joined by Willie McGinnis and Heath Evans, two guys who kind of played in different eras, different styles under Belichick during this, uh, what is it, 12, 13, 14-year run, pretty much covers the entirety of this century so far, and we're going to hack it up as much as we possibly can um, for as long as we can, and I'm looking forward to that. In the meantime, of course, you know the Patriots are about to begin their latest pursuit of that elusive fourth Lombardi trophy, so let's talk about the here and now, the upcoming divisional round playoffs, and say hello to our pal, who had a better weekend, a better wild card re- weekend than I had. I was rooting for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was rooting for the Dallas Cowboys. Here he is, everybody. It's Elliot Harrison. What's the poop, fella? What's up, man? Did that hurt? Yeah, I, well, you know what? I don't care if people say it's a bad sport or whatever. They didn't have their best non-quarterback. I mean, what were the Steelers? Well, you know, that was, a, I think, Le'Veon Bell's presence would have made a difference. I would rather the Steelers be playing this weekend, who but they didn't have their best player. Who cares if you weren't a sport? You know what the most asinine thing is ever? I know I'm. this is major hot sports opinion. You called me stupid, or you called no. me an idiot a week ago. If, you don't no. call me, if, you, if you're now calling me asinine, no, I'm defending I don't know you. Oh, No, okay. I'm defending you, is that we're supposed to be broadcasters. We're supposed to be unbiased, impartial. Hey, this just in, everybody. We got into this just because for the same reasons that you did. You like a team, and you watch them as a little kid. We did the same thing. You watched the Steelers. You wouldn't be working here, right, if it weren't for the existence of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You would have never gotten into it, right? The ones who you should be worried about are the people who pretend that they don't have a rooting interest. I've talked to a few guys who can legitimately say, I say, who's your team? And they say, you know what? I lost interest a long time ago. And my thought is, yeah, maybe you should get out of it then. I mean, really, uh, really, if you don't have— Like Kurt Schilling's tweet to Johnny Manziel? Yeah, I mean, maybe you should do something else. I mean, I, if you don't, if you don't love it, if you, yeah, how else? Well, you're a, you're a blank fan, so how can I take your opinion seriously? Wouldn't it be weird if I just if I just wound up doing this but had no rooting interest? It would be very yeah, like strange. Your, your grandma bought you the football pencils set. 
with all the teams, you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. I, I'm gonna root, right, I yeah. did. I'm going to root for all of these. I think it's, yes, of course that's true. And then there are some curmudgeonly guys who've been in the league or have been covering the league or sports for too long, and they're over it all. And like I say, just then maybe you should leave. Go cover politics. <laughs> I don't know what, why, if you can't uh, take some pleasure from getting to talk about pro football for a living, you're getting paid. And, and the other caveat is, of course, if you're incapable of distinguishing what you want, what your heart wants to see, and what you think will happen, and being able to analyze it after the fact, then that's a problem. But I don't consider myself to be, you know, I black tie behind the glass maybe would disagree, but I don't think I'm biased. I, I, I'm biased to the extent that I want my team to win, but it doesn't mean I think they're going to win right. under any circumstance. You're the one that was telling me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're the one that was telling me before the year how bad the Steelers' defense was going to be. You know, it's funny. I moved the uh, Cowboys down a spot in the power rankings this week, moved Denver above them because Denver's had a week of rest mm-hmm. uh, and because Dallas wasn't particularly impressive uh, against Detroit, at least not the first half. So I had all these people on Twitter calling me Cowboy hater. And then when I came out and said, look, the Lions' call was not as big a deal as everybody makes it out to be there. Eight minutes to play. It impacted the game. It did not decide the game. Now everyone says I'm a Cowboys homer. So so which is it? Either way, if it weren't for the Dallas Cowboys, I wouldn't be working here and I wouldn't love the NFL. Well, everyone, uh, well, it, I, as it's been made clear to me on social media, I hate everybody. <laughs> so even Steelers fans will tell me hey, that. Falcons rise I don't up. know who you are, but you're sleeping on the Steelers. And you why are you a Steelers hater? Yeah. I, those are my favorite responses to send on social media. Are, uh, maybe you should look at my uh, my Twitter page and see if, see I, if think I, you, I think you are. I think you're <laughs> sleeping on Ben Tate as a lead back for the Steelers. <laughs> Fingers crossed from your mouth to uh, to Coach Tomlin's ears for 2015. Um, you know, the Steelers NFL season is unfortunately over. But if your season-long fantasy football league has not cut it for you, get your mojo back, FanDuel.com. Joe Watson from New York, he played fantasy football on FanDuel. Less than, uh, for less than two weeks last season, he won $30,000. FanDuel, the leader in one-week fantasy football leagues. Yes, it's still going on. Go to FanDuel.com and click on the microphone in the upper right-hand corner. Use my code DDFP and sign up now. New user special ending soon, obviously. The football season's ending soon. FanDuel will match your first deposit dollar up to 200 bucks. That's up to $200 free. Offer is good to the first 50 people that use my code DDFP. A lot of people have been asking me, Black, tie why how could that be 50 people haven't used it yet they must have every time we do this does it reboot 50 people haven't used it yet well let's get 50 more all right another 50 also like joey watts matt nichols also turned 25 dollars into 25 grand moolah all right i'm gonna do that this weekend fanduel.com where every week is a new season that's fanduel.com i've picked my team for this week and guess what? It's got a lot of Packers in it, and that tips my hand. And that brings us to, we have no handsome Hank. He's flown across the country. We do not have our lead statistician, Drew Statton, the statistician with a bad statitude. It's you and me, EH, wow. going head-to-head in the Red Challenge Flag Pick segment. Red Challenge Flag I don't even need to open my computer right now to find out what the games are. I know what they are off the top of my head. Wow. None of them will slip through the cracks. Let's start off with, like I say, we're going to be kibitzing with McGinnis and Evans in a little while about the Patriots, but I want that to be more retrospective. Let's talk about the game at hand here. A lot of people excited about this Ravens team after 60 minutes, and this isn't bitterness talking. Well, you know what? I'm, I forget. I'm doing the Red Challenge flag pick segment. I'm not setting it up. I'm a participant. Well, then maybe need Black Tie to set it up. Yeah, for Black you. Tie. You should do tell it. us Give, the game. Go, so, big guy. You, right. you do it for us. You got to pick up. who's going first. All right. First off, Dave, let's do it. Pats going up against their arch rivals, the Ravens. I don't know if you'd call them arch rivals. Well, playoff rivals. 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 They're playoff rivals. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Who the you New got? England Patriots are going to win the game. You know, uh, Black Tie, you know, I've never done this with you before, so I think I'm going to change my course, except I'm not. I'm going to keep my red flag in my pocket. I agree. New England Patriots are going to win the game. They're going to win it, and they're going to win it easy. Here's Here's Dave's bold prediction for the AFC side these next two weeks. 
The Patriots will win by double digits in both games. I don't even need to know if they're playing the Colts or the Broncos in the title game. They're going to whip, first of all, this Ravens team, and here's why. Practical. All, all the stuff about that, that's all, you know, when, when you get into their rivals and the Ravens have taken care of them in the past, and I know some of the figures are back, Flacco and Harbaugh and all those, and Suggs and everybody else. But it's just a practical mismatch. Darrell Revis is going to take away either Torrey Smith or Steve Smith. Book that. Then Browner and another will take away the other Smith. And then what, 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 how are the Ravens going to move the ball? It's very The Patriots happen to have their best defensive team, especially against the run, in some time now. Justin Forsett, I don't think, is going to change that. How are they going to score their points? Hey, uh, Black Tie, how many podcasts have you done with Dave now? Over legitimately number. about 260. Isn't it amazing that he still doesn't know the own, his own rules to his own segments? Like, it's supposed to be the first guy says who's going to win, and the second guy. Yeah, but you just, stopped talking, so uh-huh. I felt I had to fill. I'm being uh, a pro. Boy, you, he, he sees a he, little. He I loves what, to hear himself talk. Yeah, That's if all Justin is. Forsett sees that kind of little opening that he just saw and explodes through it, then the Ravens have Maybe. a shot. But, but he uh, doesn't got my cat-like quickness. Yeah, I, I think this game really does hinge on him. You know, if, yeah. if he plays really well, he did not play well against Pittsburgh. I thought Pittsburgh did a good job against the run, but he had that big fumble in the game. Uh, he's the key. Whenever the Ravens have to throw the ball over 30 times, they're in trouble, and I think they're going to be in trouble on the road uh, in New England. Let's for, not forget, I know they lost to Baltimore when they played in the championship a couple years ago, but Gronk was not available for that whole game. He got hurt on that sideline throw. Uh, I think they're going to have trouble with him. I also think, you know, here, here's the one thing, and I spoke with uh, the aforementioned Willie McGinnis earlier in the week about this, and he said the one concern is that the, the one mismatch in favor of the Ravens is clearly their defensive front against the New England O-line. Mm-hmm. But, of course, they're students, if nothing else, in Foxborough. What do you think? They're not going to look at what they what they, they just did to Pittsburgh and not learn from that? It's going to be quick passes, slow death, 11 yards at a time for the Patriots moving the ball. Julian Edelman will have a big day, I, I think, bet you. I, like, I think LaFell is actually going to be the guy hmm. that has the good day. We'll see, but uh... – I'm I'm already ready for the next game. I'm, I I'm, I'm I say they whip them. I say I say they whip them, and I, I don't. I think by the end of that one, will we'll, this mystique about the Ravens in the postseason it's will go evaporate? Away. Yes. Real quick, though, on the Move the Sticks podcast with Dan and Jeremiah, great podcast. You should check it out. He spoke about the importance of sack differential. The Ravens lead the league in that category. So, I'm with the whole Ravens against the Pats thing. But however, I think the Ravens Brown is secondary. I think that negates the Ravens mystique. So. I, I do like that stat, but I do think sacks are a little bit overrated sometimes as well. Well, yeah. Owen Daniel ain't going to be the difference between the Ravens moving on or not, and that is the weapon that will have to emerge in the passing game for the Ravens to win that game in Foxborough. Next game, Black. Up Pat. next, we have the Panthers playing in Seattle. EH, let's start with you. Who you got? Uh, you know, Star Lotule's, uh, uh, Lotulele's injury certainly is huge to me. Uh, I, I thought this was a good matchup, but but uh, I'm taking Seattle at home. Look who got into a little explanation. Sorry, I caught myself. I caught myself. I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks, and I think this game could have been close. It's interesting that you have no uh, star Latulele, one of the more enjoyable names to say in all the NFL, and you have no, obviously, Brandon Meebane or Jordan Hill now. So both of these teams, their strength of stuffing the run might not be there. Diminished a little bit, sure. And – I just, you know, or a lot. Are you going to be able to stop the? Can the Panthers not turn the ball over? Because it kind of feels to me like that's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, if Jonathan Stewart doesn't get it going against Seattle, I, I don't trust Panthers' passing attack. And I understand this game may be 17-13, 13-10, but at some point you got to make some throws on third down, Black Tie. I just don't. I, I, I'm curious where the, you know. If you play nip and tuck the way the Seahawks do, if you play that really tight defensive ball and grind them out, you can lose any game. So the sure. idea that the that the Seahawks are going to roll this this uh, team that didn't have a winning record in the regular season, you play nip and tuck like that, you get a turnover against you, things get sideways fast. I just think against the Panthers, I just think Cam and the, you know the the issues in the punt game last week and everything, they have to be pristine in terms of holding on to yes. the ball. If they do... And pristine on special teams. Yeah, they, they 
I can see them hanging in there, but more likely I'll, I'll say uh, the Seahawks take care of business. I said actually on uh, I said earlier today doing some uh, some predicting of games with uh, with our pal Mark Iztook, and I said that this really I, it's I guess an easy comparison to make is. In the 21st century, no defense has been as good as this little run with the Seahawks mm-hmm. has been, and so you harken back to the to the 95 to the 85 Bears, I should say. And if you think about the way their games went, they would really pound you, but it's not like the scoreboard was consistently 40 to zero. I mean, they the games were, yep. you, and they would in their title run outside of their Super Bowl win against the Patriots, the games were kind of tight. You know, they weren't bluffed, but they would sneak Willie Galt behind the defense once, and that would be enough. He would get a touchdown, and they'd grind you out otherwise. I think watch Doug Baldwin or or Curse or one of those guys get one long touchdown. That'll be enough to take Yeah, they were, the, the Bears weren't strong outside. If you look at their 86 team, they allowed 187 points, which was lower than an 85, and they won every game, including Pittsburgh. They played Pittsburgh that year. They beat them like 14 to 10, and the Steelers mm-hmm. in 86 were terrible. Like How terrible. dare you? On they behalf were. of Mark Malone and Bubby Brister, whichever one happened to be under center that week. All right, moving on. Uh, EH's Cowboys on the road against the Packers in Sunday's first game. Damshek, what you got? I have the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to have to pull out my challenge flag. Yeah! What a homer! <laughs> what a homer. <laughs> Well, it, it may just please you a little bit to know that uh, – so I did the segment uh, Going Deep for NFL Now with Bucky Brooks, who I know has been on your podcast many times. And Bucky, Well, we talked to him earlier this week about this very game. And he feels like the Cowboys have a decided strategic advantage uh, in this game, and that's their offensive line versus the Packers' front seven. Now, you could say, hey, the Cowboys struggled against Detroit. Yeah, Green Bay does not have Detroit's personnel on defense at mm-hmm. all. Now, you could say – that Dallas doesn't have the personnel on defense to stop Green Bay's offense. I agree. But I think what Dallas can do in this game is limit possessions. And when they get on a roll and they're running clock and they have a six, seven-minute drive, you know what that does? It gives their average pass rushers time to rest their legs. That's that's really the key to me is getting their defense a blow because their defense is going to need to be at full strength to stop Aaron Rodgers. And Rodgers is not at full strength. Yeah, that calf is a major concern and has not gotten a ton of coverage because it's a mystery. We don't know the state of it, and that's why you have, you can't really divine what's going on there. I, you know, what Bucky and I talked about a couple of days ago on, on this podcast, I encourage you, Nate Demand, you go back and, uh, and listen to it, is – really as much as any game I can think of, all season at least, is the first possession or two. If Dallas, I, it might even literally come down to who wins the toss. I mean, it, it really is it, is that simple. If Dallas wins the toss, takes the ball, and they play keep away for the first six, eight minutes of the game, the game will be a completely different one than if the Packers get the ball, strike fast, right. 7 nothing. somehow they, they, get, uh, they, they hold the Cowboys down, get the ball back. I mean, how many times have we seen that? This season in Lambeau, mm-hmm. that, that the game's fourteen nothing, and you just are sitting down. I could see it on one hand being thirty-one-seven with eight minutes left in the second quarter. I could also see it being twenty-one-twenty going into the fourth quarter, and it really has to do with whether or not Dallas can get it rolling on the ground because the soft underbelly of the Packers is no secret. I could see Demarco Murray having a big day. I'm going to ride, though, with number 12. I say he's the best of all time. I think he shows it this day. I think he torches the Cowboys. I say going away. Just uh, just in case it does end up being that kind of close game that you think might be a possibility, who do you trust more, Mason Crosby or Dan Bailey? It's funny, that after the uh, whammy that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman put on Dan Bailey in the <laughs> yeah. second quarter – um, of the uh, of the Lions game there, I would I, I guess I would take Dan Bailey, Absolutely. but I but I, I don't know I don't have numbers of how he performs when it's cold outside and it's going to be cold outside. It's, it's going to be twenty one. That's the uh, prognosis for now, which is a lot different than ten. Let me just say this before we jump on to the next game. Uh, settle down, Black Tie. We're going to move on to the next game. I just wanted to say one more thing. The what's a fascinating thing, and it's been a redemption all season long for Tony Romo, including his performance in that game and scoring the touchdown with the season on the line and all that. I find what, what what's really interesting is that Aaron Rodgers has not had that in, at what, five years, six years, maybe, oh, I guess this Super Bowl year, that defense was very good. Mm-hmm. Since then, he has not had a good offensive line 
and he's not had a good defense, and he keeps on ticking. I Now I'm suddenly intrigued more than ever to see what if Aaron Rodgers could get some semblance of that, sort of like what Tony Romo's gotten this year. I think they could – well, I mean, I guess we saw them go 15-1 and one not that long yeah, ago. But, but let's also remember last year they played San Francisco – at Green Bay, San Francisco ran the ball and just made timely throws from Kaepernick. Who do you trust more, Kaepernick or Tony Romo? Yeah. And that game is one of the coldest games on record. This game will not be as cold as the 49ers game, so why do people think it's going to affect Dallas so egregiously but not San Francisco last year? You know, I mean, I think this Dallas team uh, can play just as well. Well, the thing with Lambeau and the cold is, and there's a big difference between in Chicago and, and uh, Lambeau because – Chicago's field isn't heated as effectively, Mm -hmm. and so it gets to be that really rock-hard surface. In Lambeau, it's heated, it's nice, it's cold to stand on the sidelines, but it doesn't impact the actual flow of the game. Aaron Rodgers should be able, and Tony Romo as well, should be able to throw the ball. The question is, will that defense for Green Bay relent if DeMarco Murray is up in the 25-carry area and the game's still nip and tuck there? It's going to be fascinating. I say blowout. This the the fascination with this game for me is the range of possibility here. Yeah. I think it could be a blowout or it could be really tight coming down the stretch. Aaron Rodgers at home is frightening, but since I despise sports narratives, I think I'm taking Romo on the road, rewriting his whole playoff career in this one. But well, that's exactly what you're doing. You're talking about the narrative, and you want him. No, because to... Romo's narrative has, you know, obviously been failure and whatnot. I say he hey, writes you know, it. Rogers lost. Totally new hey, narrative. Rogers and the Packers lost in the first round of the Giants in 2011. They lost in the wild card last year at home. Both of those games were at home, and then they lost on the road to San Francisco in that game that Colin Kaepernick just just seemed took like over. football will be different from this day forward, <laughs> yes. and it hasn't exactly been. But I remember remember that game two years ago when you were watching that. You were thinking. Everything I thought I knew is now over with, and that guy, number seven, is just going to run past everybody who he plays, and the Niners are going to be unstoppable, and the Ravens beat them. All right, lastly, real quick, we have a minute here for this one, the last game on Sunday, Colts at the Broncos. EH, who you got? I am taking Denver at home. I... See, now this is bad because I really want to throw the red challenge flag, but now I see. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to take the Denver Broncos at home. I think, I've said this repeatedly now, that they have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, the Broncos. I don't think they will, but I think they have a chance if they can get by doing it to John Elway. When John Elway won two Super Bowls at the end of his career – it's the same, really, model. It was all John Elway, Elway, Elway his whole career till Terrell Davis arrives in the twilight of Elway's career, this unheralded running back, and he carries them to to the victory. And I think the same thing. I think they need C.J. Anderson mm-hmm. now. It's clear Peyton ain't exactly right. The defense is much improved. If you think about, the again, the practical matchups, the the corners should be able to take away what the Colts' biggest weapons are. Maybe Kobe Fleener has a big day. They're not going to run the ball. So I think they scratch out a victory, do the Broncos at home. I know uh, Willie and Heath are walking in. i am just make three quick points. One, uh, I love D- Denver's defense more than the Colts' defense. That, to me, is a yep. no-brainer. Two, I like the fact that Ronnie Hillman's back. Give C.J. Anderson a blow. That's important. Three, if Peyton Manning's arm is more about being a tired arm and not just age – then this week off certainly helps him in that regard. All three of those facets, I think. And if Julius Thomas, with the extra week off, maybe gets a little closer to health, that's an extra weapon as well. Put on the board. Yeah, I do think, like I say, I'll I'll, I'll finish where we started, which is that I think, to me, I don't care who wins this game. I think it's an interesting matchup, of course, Peyton versus his successor and all that stuff. It's very Kenobi v. The uh, Vader and all that, but either way, I think it, uh, eight, you know, ten days from now it'll be moot because the Patriots are going to beat whichever one of those teams comes up to Fox. It's also a decent uni matchup, but I think Dallas at Green Bay is far and away the best uni matchup so far these playoffs. Interesting. Yeah, no, are you really trying to get out of here on time? Yeah, I'm done. That's, over here. No, hey. that's not right. But the but the Patriots at home aren't so bad against the against the visiting That's Ravens right. get-ups. Dave could filibuster for 10 no, minutes. No, the on best this. one is, hold now. on, hold on. The Cowboys at the Packers is your winner. What, That's what, what I you, said. 
Oh, I'm thinking. I I thought you went back to the to the Denver game. I agree Come with on, that. Player. What's your what's that? What's up with that, Elliot? Real fast before you walk. I would like to see just for the 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 historic significance. If you could get Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers is a fascinating matchup we've yet to see. But I'll tell you what. Romo v. Peyton, that'd be fun, too. Oh, it would. I, I think Romo v. Brady would be great. But, you know, I have no problem if the Packers win at all. The Packers are a great organization. And you know what? I think it's good for football if Seattle repeats. It's good for this era I of agree parody. Because yep. sometimes parody is just another synonym for mediocrity. It'd be nice to see a defending champ. I agree with that. But you went too far in being an apologist for rooting for a team. You say, like, I'd be happy for the Packers. They're a good organization. No. What are you? Some, what are you? Some general manager? You're a fanboy. Say what the say what is. You don't want the, your team to lose. Say it. Can't say it. Scram. All right, there he goes. The great Elliot Harrison. The books have been the uh, picks have been logged now, and uh, let's get ready here now for a little reflection on the 21st century dynasty that is the New England Patriots with Willie McGinnis and Heath Evans. All right, this is good times here on the DDFP. Two of my favorite guys to kibitz with in the hallways at NFL Media and two New England Patriots. The 21st century's dynasty? Let's start there, fellas. Right there. What do we call this thing? Belichick's already mad at him for throwing the D word out. Well, what is it? I mean, you guys haven't won a Super Bowl. I say you guys, but I mean, the Patriots haven't won one in uh, a decade now. What do we, how do we define this thing? Well, it's, it's, it's something that's one of the most difficult things to do. And they've gotten to a couple more and he, he can tell you, you can, you can have an undefeated season and be great all the way through and, Sometimes other teams that you play against, they happen to make those plays too. They're pretty good, you know, teams as well. And uh, it's not easy. It, it comes down to, to, to little things uh, within a game. And if you don't execute at the right time or make plays when you need to, uh, whether it's the West missing the ball, you know, in the Super Bowl or, or a protection break breakdown or a special teams or whatever the oh, case Oh, look who that be. is. Yeah, mm. that's my baby. That's Handsome right devil. There. <laughs> then uh, you know it, th- these games. Most majority of our games came down to a field goal. Mm-hmm. We wasn't blowing anybody out. It was who executed, you know, throughout consistently throughout the game. Well, Willie you- McGinnis, three-time Super Bowl champion, as we see there with those <laughs> Patriots, and by the way, the NFL's all-time postseason sacks leader, mm. and Heath Evans. You guys cross over for one season yep. in Foxborough, and then you're a part of the almost undefeated season. So what do you? So you're a part of this decade in pursuit of number four. Yeah. What do you say? What do you call this thing? Well, I'll give you the Belichick answer. We're not a dynasty. We don't even remember <laughs> 2013, 12, or 11. We're a 12-win team that has the opportunity to win 13. There you go. That's what Bill's preaching to him all week. You're nothing. This team that. You're getting ready to play. The Baltimore Ravens are the best thing since the 85 Bears. You're not as good as they are, and somehow they're, they're going to humiliate you in Foxborough. You better be more prepared than ever because they're better than you. So somehow he has his team convinced of that going into this game. Yeah. That being said, this last – well, the decade. I mean, 04 was the last ring. 07, 18, and 1 was a miserable, bitter pill to swallow. Um, hey, Heath, I don't want you to miss this here, fella. Yeah. Look at that. <laughs> is that Devin's you on special teams flexing? Laying the oh, wood. <laughs> is that you doing a little hey, showboating? Listen. Look well, at me. <laughs> look at me. <laughs> no, look, it was Teddy. I was flexing at Teddy. Oh, okay. Teddy was coming to greet me. Oh, he was celebrating so, with you. Yeah. Okay. Into but, the end zone. Was that Walter Payton or Heath Evans going no, up over the it, top it, there? It was uh, Bill's running joke was, hey, Gail Sayers. <laughs> 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 I would I would get the ball and make one move in the open field, and Bill would destroy me. Hey, hey, Heath, your one attribute, your only good attribute is you're tough. Just go quit, Dan. You're not you're not Gail Sayers. You know, so he would just he would just kill me brutally. So um, he finds a way to bring you back. You know, right when you think you've made it and you've you've achieved and you've reached the highest, he's. Come on back. You're not that good. You could do better. <laughs> and and I think that's why those teams are so competitive and they play so well. After a victory, majority of the times after victories and, and you you probably beat the brakes off of teams, mm. all the highlights on Monday are the bad plays. Low light. Mm. The, yeah. low, the low light reel. You're not going to see the great plays. You're going to see the bad plays and what you need to improve on because these are the plays that's going to get you beat this week coming yep. up. That week's over. It doesn't really matter. 
these are the plays that's going to get you beat. The following well, week. Adelius Thomas got there from the Ravens in uh, 07. <laughs> a weekend. I mean, literally a weekend of the regular season, he had these T-shirts made up that said Humble Pie on them. Because he had never <laughs> been anywhere where, like, Brady gets assaulted first. And then it just, like, yeah. so Willie would know, like, he was one of the stars, the studs. So when you go in those low-light reels, now Bill might have prefaced it with him in verse, hey, Willie, I'm, I'm going to get at you a little bit, so just take it before you go into the meeting. But – all in all, it'd go Brady, and then it'd go Willie, and then it'd go Rodney Harrison, and then hmm. it'd go Vrabel, and then it would go your best O-lineman, and then like somewhere about 33 or 34, I'm getting verbally assaulted, you know? <laughs> um, but it was. It was humble pie, but Willie hit the nail on the head. He knows how to get under his skin to get 100% performance. He knows how to get under my skin. Like, even the fact that my dad was a Marine, like, he knew from day one. Like, he didn't have to tiptoe around me. Like, he, he, you're not worth that 15-yard penalty you just cost us, you know? And so, whatever it, whatever it is, but, man, I'm telling you, the guy's just gifted. Is it, though? But so you go from the Patriots and then go to Cleveland. You had been uh, with a couple of teams. <laughs> <laughs> you got in the playoffs once, didn't you? No. That oh, ten, you didn't get the that, playoffs. That 10-6 and six record did not uh, catapult us into the playoffs. Now, I'm not talking about – um, the outhouse far as Cleveland as an organization mm-hmm. because that was a great atmosphere, a great football atmosphere. The fans were uh, remarkable. Their fans are different than any other fans I've, uh, I've, I've been around and the environment and the history of the Cleveland Browns. But the guys that we had on our team uh, was, was, was not professional. They didn't mm-hmm. really understand what it, what it, what it meant to, um, to, to consistently do things uh, together as a team, uh, not about individuals. It's all about team. Put the team first. Uh, do your job. Everybody sacrifice. Everybody just concentrate on becoming a better player. Stand, stand out of the streets and putting time in. The extra sacrifices. That was the outhouse uh, part about being there because I couldn't pull enough guys in with Romeo Cornell. Cornell uh, there. With five Super Bowls, a couple from the Giants and three with us, with me being there, um, uh, Baxter, who was with the Baltimore Ravens, come from a you know a really good organization that's won Super Bowls. We couldn't pull enough guys in to 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 show them this is what it takes to win. And the guys we were trying to pull in was our playmakers, some of the best players on the team. That could make a difference in those games. Well, that's uh, that's really I'm glad you bring that up cuz that's really what I wanted to to one of the things I wanted to get your sort of take on is why is it in a copycat league? What is so hard? What is so mystical about what Belichick is doing that everybody doesn't adopt his style? It obviously it's about getting the mindset. You guys, I remember 2001, you guys taking the the field. You didn't do individual player introductions. No. How did why doesn't everybody just take on exactly what Belichick is doing? Well, it wasn't Belichick that 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 put that put us up to that. It was the team. I mean, that was when 9-11 had hit. And, you know, what Bill used to always preach in the meetings that we're not good enough individually to go out and win games. We have to win games as a team. So our captains, our guys was like, hey, let's do everything as a team. Let's not, let's not separate or let's not be individuals. Let's be a team. So when we started running out, it happened before the Super Bowl. We started running out as a team. We all got to – we all got to do everything uh, on a high level as a team. Now, there were some good individuals. Don't get me wrong. There was some good individual mm-hmm. play. And we knew that if we had success through the team, individuals will have that success as well. So we bought into that. And once we started winning and things start happening, why would we change? Did you feel it when you walked in, Heath, coming from elsewhere? Did you – because Willie's oh, yeah. professional life is starts there. Do you then see, uh, uh, wow, well, this is a completely different environment? Well, your initial question was why don't people copy it? Because it costs you too much, and people aren't willing to sacrifice that much. And it starts with Bill. The tape, the study, like we always would joke around, he'll give you the answers to the test. So if you're paying attention during the week, you'll literally go into yeah. a, a third and four situation in the red zone. And Kevin Falk and I used to be joking because we had been prepped on Thursday and somehow it that happens. crazy coach told us what was coming. And it wasn't necessarily something that we saw on tape from the week or two before. It was something from like week two and now we're in week 15. And so it, it just cost you. 
So uh, my, I got there in the middle of the season in 05, and so I, I see Willie, I see Vrabes, I see Rodney, I see all these old school guys, and then I hear Bill preaching. And then I see all these kind of soldiers following an order, and then those guys also were vocal leaders. And so they were like, hey, hey, this is what we do, and this is how we do it. But it was up to me to buy in. Problem is with this younger generation, yeah. it's really all about me. And what these guys grasp and taught so well was that – Guess what? If we buy into the all about the team situation, Willie's going to be the all-time playoff sack leader. You know, uh, Mike Vrabel is going to have a huge sack that changes the outcome of the game. Where Mike Vrabel is like, you know, a folk hero in, in, in Foxborough. Mm-hmm. Rodney Harrison's going to have that hit that just cleans the clock of of of, of Wayne or, or Reggie, whoever it is. That then he becomes a superstar. But it all started with you got to die to self for the betterment of the team. Yeah. And the way Bill sells it, like I can't put my finger on just how he does it but there was such a unique blend of, of what Bill and Mr. Kraft and, and Pioli molded the character of the team around that um, it, it's just a unique blend but it, it cost like the stuff that he put in the stuff that I saw like I, I saw time and effort and I saw uh, accountability for every detail of the game and the thing is all our team meetings you get to be so a part of the team because there's a special team aspect of the team meeting. There's a defensive part of the of the team meeting. There's an offense. So he kind of knows what we're doing. I know what he's doing. We all kind of have an understanding of what special teams. And But it literally, it cost you hours at home. It cost you extra tape yeah. study. It cost so much. And a lot of players, the truth is, Dave, they're just not willing to put it in. Nope. Hmm. That's, I, and you... the coaches aren't willing to put it in either. You know, so we make jokes about Bill would come up there in his, his flannel jeans and his shirt, like, misbuttoned and stuff. Probably slept on the couch for two or three hours a night before. But he's up there, no notes, no nothing, just regurgitating tape after tape after what he's got to expect in a prime money situation where I've got to – I mean, the coaches put it in, the players follow the line, and then the results are what we've seen now for a decade and a half. I, You know, I, I two of my favorite guys, to, if I need uh, to understand what's happening from an X's and O's standpoint – you two are two of the guys I go to because, Heath, you told me that your responsibility isn't to know your role in a given play design. You have to know the play design of every guy on the field. True? Yeah. I mean, so in a running back standpoint, like, A, in New England, what makes the offense so difficult, you know, a guy like Rob Gronkowski can line up an F, which would be a fullback, but it's not like he's going to go block as a fullback position. But in that play, Josh McDaniels calls, he's the F position. Well, the next one, he might be the X, which yeah. would say, hey, he's your number one receiver. The next play, he might be Z, he might be Y, a true traditional tight end. Well, and then when he's in the backfield, you know, or wherever outline, I had to know, okay, is this a slide protection for the offensive line? Is this a man protection? Is this a zone protection? So what New England forces you to do is you know your piece, but you know why and where you fit in so you get the grand scheme. So then your natural second thoughts in the in the split second decision making of a play, Willie would know by a wink with Vrabel across the side of how they could adjust to a shift or motion, never right. having to communicate, because he knew everything that Seymour was going to do next to him. He knew what Vrabes had on the flip side. He knew what Teddy was going to do if they saw this. So it's not just okay. Here's my responsibility. I have my playbook down. That's. Great football teams aren't made that way. And no, but no other team in the NFL is operating no, on that no, level. No, there's they teams. Are. I yeah. mean, there's teams out there. I think Seattle was one of those type of teams you can look at and say, I, I, I see the connection between the players. I see how close they are. I see it's us against the world. I see how they prepare. Uh, when you talk to the players, you can't get them to talk about anything outside of what's next, what's 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 coming up right now. And like Heath mentioned. We had to earn that trust from the coaching staff. Like, we had to prove to them that we were prepared and we were capable of making those in-game adjustments ourselves. Because on defense, like he said, a lot of times teams could come out there with 50 formations. We laugh because we already knew we can switch roles anytime. A lot of the players that we had in that linebacker court and in the back end were interchangeable. So we can do each other's job. So if they flipped the formation, it was three by one, and they shifted and did all that and moved over, I'll give Brable a symbol. He knew what he had. I knew what I had. I would talk to my defensive end. He would talk to his guy. Brewski was talking in the back right here. You had Rodney or Lawyer or Ty, whoever in the back, telling those guys what they needed to do. We communicated. And that was a big part of our success is – Everybody understood what everybody else's job was, and we were able to communicate and make in-game and whether sideline or halftime adjustments. So 
you may you may get us on something one time, but it's not going to happen two or three times because we're going to stop it. Mm. You're going to have to change and do something else. And when you look at the playoff teams now, Peyton Manning was one of those guys we played chess with every single time. We figure out a snap count, he changed it. He tapped the center's butt, we knew where he was coming off at. He say something, they give a little something, we pick it up, we get him on one play, then it was changed the next. Like, it was a chess match, and that's what the good teams are able to adjust and, and, and do those type of well, things. Well, I remember this one, and the, mm. the Colts were supposed to go into Foxborough and beat you there, and, of course, 55 Says takes who? down number eight. Says who? <laughs> why were they supposed to come into Foxborough that's what, and That was the buzz. You know why? The, the, and, and that's what we fed off of as well, Dave. And I think that's what Seattle feeds off of when they play Denver in the Super Bowl is everybody oh, yeah. always talked about Peyton Manning and all the weapons he had and how good they were. Everybody always talked about your Pittsburgh Steelers, Big Ben and Bettis and all these different players that they had. It would eat us up the entire week. We could not stand it, but we never gave anything to the media. We kept it all in. When doors are shut, we would go nuts. And then when <laughs> when, when, when Bill and, this, and, and our coaches unleashed us uh, at 1 o'clock or whatever time we were playing – all that came out, and we just couldn't wait to take the field. Well, specifically about Peyton there, this was perhaps his worst showing against you guys in the postseason. Did you have a sense that this is a guy who we can get in his head? Because early, at least, when you guys would show down, would you have your showdowns with the Colts, it seemed like the defense got the better of the Colts. Well, the one thing that Belichick was able to do is he can go into a meeting and dissect any offense, right? Peyton is one of those – he's a student of the game. He wants to know what you're doing. He wants to know what you're in. He wants that pre-snap read. So we figured that out early. We're not giving you that. We're going to move around. We're going to disguise. And we're going to make you figure it out. So we figured out he was going to snap the ball with six seconds or less. So we would move around. Everybody would talk, jump around. And, okay, you figure it out. The other thing we wanted to do was get physical. Bill always preached, you got to have physical teams. you got to be able to go in and beat people up. And we didn't. We couldn't win if we played a finesse game against against Peyton Manning and Indianapolis Colts or or the Rams in 2000. That's not our game. We couldn't get into that finesse thing. They would they would tear us apart. They'd run us off the field. Our thing was we're going to turn this game a little darker than what you wanted to. We're going to make this mm. a little bit more physical. And that game that they they just showed, it changed the rules because we were beating them up <laughs> all up and down the field. Their their GM complained. Their owner complained. Next thing you know, there's a rule in. So well, but but what do you say now, Willie? As you look back on that, do you say, well, all right, maybe Ty Law did take some uh, some advantage of the rules there? Because I do remember that that specifically well, that's the was play. the knock on him. Well, I mean, the thing is, Ty was a big, fast corner. That if you let him get his hands on you, get physical, then he was going to do it. Well, hmm. why wouldn't you do that? You know, Rod Wilson was a, a, a physical corner for you guys. Why wouldn't you take advantage of that? And that's the that's the thing Heath can tell you, to be able to assess every player's talent, mm. what their what their weakness or their strength is. Our coaching staff they were impeccable at that. Hmm. They wouldn't put you in a bad position, and sometimes the other team was just better than you and they'll beat you. But they're not going to go into a game and put you in a bad position. Like you're always prepared to be in a position to win. If you don't execute. More times out of none, either they were that much better than you or you felt the game plan. Yeah. I want to dig into some of these, uh, some of the individual games, some of the great seasons. Heath, talk about Tom Brady, though. About First of all, I think people love to hear about what Belichick's like behind closed doors. The... I think one of the myths is what <laughs> <He's adorable. laughs> his his He's style so is cute. not. <laughs> but I mean, you know, he does. Everybody says who plays for him. Oh, he's a funny guy, but you never see that on camera. You know, well, it's, it's only funny when he's talking about Willie, but not when he's talking about me. <laughs> what it, I think what we mean funny. I mean, you got a picture of fifty three grown men, professional athletes. That if you're there, you obviously take your job at a high level of importance, and yeah. so. We talked about the low light reels that he throws up. Well, literally most of those, especially in a win, you know, because you know what's coming. So you've got 52 other guys laughing at Bill verbally assaulting me. You know, <laughs> now I, maybe I had 37 snaps, and 35 of them were flawless. And Ivan Fears, a running back coach, gave me my grade sheet, and it was like a, a 94. Well, those two snaps that 
you know, weren't so good. Like when I say verbally assault, he wouldn't go after everyone like he went after me. He would go after me different ways, but he'd go after Willie a different way or he'd go – whatever. But it was just so – the environment was so comfortable and I guess just so family-oriented that it's like your big brother. It's like you can pick on your big brother, but, but nobody else can. You know, and I, I just remember at 05 just sitting back going like, I didn't know whether to laugh or, or what. And then you start figuring it out that this is just kind of the environment. But it breeds success and it – it, it makes you so hungry to be accountable for no bad plays because you don't want to be on that low light reel. And when, you know? when, when new guys come in, like Vrabel was a new guy who came mm-hmm. in. Rodney Harrison was a new guy to come in. And first, first everybody's defense, defense like, what? what? <laughs> I didn't, it's like, he'll tell you. Junior Sale, when he came oh. in, like these guys, like, hey, this is how we do it. It's okay. It's all right. It's going to happen to everybody. And, I think the big part of having guys like Heath that that's a free agent that come over or a Vrabel, first of all, you got to be able to fit in what we're trying to do. And you got to be that type of guy, that type of player. And have they got it right every single time? No. But 85% of the time you, you get it right, especially with the draft. When you draft Seymour and you draft Vince Woolfork and guys like that, you got to have the, you got to have that type of mentality. It got to matter to you. You have to care. You got to take it personal, which a lot of times in the meetings, if guys didn't get upset or get mad, and after a while they start laughing because they they got it, then you don't want to play with that guy because he's not taking it personal, which means if something happens on the field and he blows a play, he's not going to take it personal. So the majority of the guys in our locker room, we didn't want to be the guy. We took it personal. We took it personal if you didn't take it personal. If you wasn't taking your job serious and you didn't care, then we would turn against you. And we, we, we did that with a couple of guys. We turned against them, and those guys didn't last. Maybe not unique, but that is something that definitely separates you guys because I've talked to a lot of players on a lot of teams, and that is definitely not the environment. Will, Willie's used the word fit twice, and I think that's the most unique thing. Like, there is something that really sets Bill and his way of doing things apart was when I first got there in 05, we were – Corey Dillon was beat up, Kevin Falk. So I was playing mostly tailback at that point. But he never asked me to do anything I wasn't capable of doing. So many coaches yeah. want to squeeze Willie McGinnis mm. into their box of their style of football. No. Well, there's certain things. Willie was great, great, great. And then there was probably a couple of his games where he was like, I- I'm just not comfortable there. Well, so many coaches would put him in a position where he's not comfortable, which is going to ultimately let down the team. As I grew as a Patriot, every year more and more was thrust upon my shoulders as Bill trained me or repositioned me to do something better. I, I remember the first like week that I was really playing a true fullback. He's like, Heath, we, we know you, you run hard, and when you got the ball in your hands, we see you run people over. You just don't have that knack when you're blocking, so quit trying to blow people up. Go in there. Don't ever let your man make a tackle. And he literally set me free. I remember it was 06 when mm-hmm. you were in Cleveland. It, it, this is we had one play where I was going to have to block him. Well, you see, I mean, Willie, put your arm up here. Like, Dave, no, no, no. Oh. He was flexing. Like, I can't even get to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, one play, Bill says, hey, he, just trust me on this. Willie's the best with his hands in the business. You see Vrabel and all that. So, I'm coming around the edge, and he told me throughout the week, this is how you attack Willie. This is how you attack him. And yeah. him and I still laugh at it, but he knew he was stretching my ability to block someone like him just because of stature alone. Well, he put me in a position mentally that week to teach me how to do one play, and that one play went for a first down. It was a big first down in the game. But when he ever, any, if he ever gets you outside of your box, he always gives you the tools to be able to perform that one or two play duty. And mm. that fit word that he kept using, mm-hmm. like you don't see him put players in things where they can't succeed and help the team. And it's, that's huge. Well, speaking of Willie's hands, let's take a look at this there. <laughs> why why didn't we see some Willie uh, at tight end a little bit with uh, Belichick's love of moving guys all over the field? Look at that. Mm. No, well, you know. Uh, look at the speed. Get, get loose, Willie. Get Mike, loose. Mike Vrabel. You know, he, he's a great politician as well as a great player. <laughs> and and Vrabe used to take the snaps on scout team, and he just kept he just kept asking. And, 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 and finally they put him over there, and he, he looked pretty good at it. He, Mike, was he was fast. He had great hands, and he was smart. So um, would I have loved to catch a touchdown? Yeah. I mean, you know. You take the bench well, for one week, yeah. Rabel. Let, let uh, Willie get in the Once end he zone. got going, there was no stopping him. You know what I mean? Once he started scoring, you couldn't tell him anything. Well, so you talk about you talk about taking responsibility and, uh, and and all that sort of thing. And you told a great story to Heath and me a couple days ago 
about the Aught 3 divisional round. In fact, Saturday, the Ravens are playing in Foxborough. 11 years ago to the day in Foxborough, the Tennessee Titans came to town. And it yeah. was really all about the defense and the indiv- the players, not the coaches, yeah. really uh, securing that victory there. And Steve McNair, he's driving them down the field, and yeah. it looked like you guys were in some real trouble there. Well, the one thing about our team was we was, we was, we was pretty smart at making adjustments. And a lot of times we kind of was on the same page with our coaches and it's just one time Romeo Cornell was our defensive coordinator and they were driving they had picked up a big first down and if they kept marching they kind of probably could have scored and he kind of blanked a little bit and I don't know if it was Bill in his ear if he was trying to figure out the right play uh, McNair and those guys were going hurry up and he couldn't get to playing so we just kind of turned to each other and we all just made a call and we got through that play, and then we made the next couple calls ourselves. And we just stayed with the call, stayed with the call. Turnover on downs, we got off, we got off the field, and we came to the sideline, and he was like, that's what pro, pros do. They take charge, they take mm. over, and you guys did what you guys needed to do. And he thanked us because a lot of times he bailed us out with plays or whatever, and that just shows how much uh, everybody was in sync and together and the communication. And we always just on the same page, like, we're not going to panic. It's situational football. We've been in this situation in practice many times before, and that's another thing that this coaching staff is so great at. And it started with Bill Parcells when I was first drafted. Like, all these things just was passed down, it seemed like. And the situational aspect of the football game is sometimes we'll do a whole practice just on situations that may or may not come up. But like Keith alluded to earlier, it's funny – the all these situations happen to pop up in games. Yeah. And you got to play through them. And a lot of teams aren't prepared for that because they don't spend a lot of time. So by us being pretty good at situational football, we had seen this situation before. We were able to take over ourselves on the field, make the calls, and get out of it. Well, he, you mentioned that with the aspect of the game where McNair was driving, that's a, Bill would get you exhausted at the end of practice. You might have just done sprints, and then he'd throw you in those yeah. situational positions where you're – physically exhausted at the end of a two-a-day practice, and then you're having to make those, literally those those mental decisions very, very quick when you're exhausted, just yeah. like that game came down to. You know, they get them off the field on downs, and we were prepped for it. Let's say that Tom Brady, it's hard to really quantify Brady and Belichick. If Tom Brady had, let's say, gotten drafted by the Carolina Panthers, does he have a couple Super Bowl rings without Belichick? Or if Belichick had gone to the Carolina Panthers and didn't have Tom Brady, would he have installed a system that would have created a you know a consistently winning team? I think with Bill, um, you can look at what Cleveland was building, and they beat us in the playoffs. Great point. Uh, my, Great point. My, my, my first my first year, and some of the the talent that he had on that team, it kind of reminded me of us later. Um, I just don't think he had a a big enough window Mm -hmm. to kind of incorporate. He had some great minds on that staff. And you look at some of the players he was bringing in, it's kind of the same thing that he did when he came to the Patriots. Um, Maybe six to eight, ten guys left over from the old regime, and he just started building, but he had time. And he started putting the right pieces in place. And we we wasn't great our first year. I think we were average. We were whatever. It, but by year two and three, it was it was going down. You could tell that we was right there. Um, I think with Brady, seeing him come in, seeing his work ethic because of what he went through in college, always felt like he was slighted. And regardless of what he did, how hard he worked, or how uh, much he outperformed the guy in front of him, he was still kind of pushed back to the side. Well, he had that mentality too, that uh, if I ever get my opportunity, and he said this, then – I'm not looking back. I'm taking over. So it's tough to say because the talent maybe in Carolina, like you mentioned, or Brady being with a certain coach, but I would just say it was a perfect marriage because of what Bill, his knowledge of the game and what he bring out of players and the position he puts you Mm -hmm. in, and then Brady's drive and what he had went through before and waiting for his opportunity, it it just kind of – it just – it, the stars aligned. It did just it all came like, together. Did it feel like I've I've talked to you about this before? 
the AFC title game, you go into Pittsburgh, the heavily favored uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, who really should have won that game yeah, and course. really deserved <laughs> to win sure. that game. <laughs> and I wish we could go back. And, but that, So from that time, Drew Bledsoe comes in, throws a touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. You know, get, How much was, was that the critical decision in the history of this Patriots run to say we're going with the kid – Brady over Bledsoe in the Super Bowl. Let me let me tell you what happened when when Brady went down with the ang- with the ankle or whatever had had happened, um, and Drew came in and started playing well. We kind of started looking at each other like, uh oh, he might get his job back. And then and then we were like, well, you know, Brady got us here, and and Bill made a decision. He addressed the football team, and as much as Drew wanted to win and start in that Super Bowl because we had lost with Drew in 96. And I know he wanted to get in and be that guy. Um, he he played it out like a, a true pro, hmm. man. He he didn't like it. It bothered him, but he, he stayed the course, and he understood that Bill made a decision, and he wanted to stick with that decision, and – it was going to be Brady. And I don't know why him. we have to see these highlights. This is just rubbing my nose <laughs> That's in just it. Some great I football, was not professional. Man. That was I some wept. great football. I right wept there. in those stands that day. That was some great football. I mean, Drew made some plays. And I didn't like defense it. Defense made some plays. Special teams. I think Troy Brown scored a touchdown. It was a lot of plays. It, On it, a it was a team return. effort. Yes. Yeah, it was That's a team right. effort. Yep. Now, let's jump real quick, uh, Heath, to the almost undefeated season. And the thing has changed, you know, quite a bit because pieces like, you know, Willie have moved on and the defense isn't so great. But you start housing teams, but it starts that off with the offense was awesome. Yeah, with the well, <laughs> but it starts with the Spygate stuff. So how big a factor was that in in house? Was it did you because you guys started obliterating people and it seemed like oh yeah we're gonna show you now how much was yeah. it like. That it that we actually did need what whatever was happening with Spygate yeah. or let's show everybody how much we don't need it. Well, here's what I know: a, the players knew nothing about it; b, you heard Willie say a minute ago in those chess matches with Peyton, within quarters those signals mm-hmm. would change and the verbiage would change, much less bringing things from game to game. So um, even what we are accused of, still you know now we're what like seven years removed from that. You know I, I don't know. I just know this. Uh, every single week, we always outprepared the teams we played against. And Willie mentioned the physical and the mental toughness. Um, listen, Willie, t- I wasn't the most physical tough guy, especially when I was playing true fullback because it just wasn't my knack. But we were just mentally and physically tougher. Our 53 were better than the majority of the 53s we played against. And I hate to say it, you go down to week, uh, heck, 20 of the season against the Giants who we had – we had played a really bad football game week 17 in the Meadowlands, and we had beat them to go 16-0. and In no way, shape, or form, we were overlooking them in the Super Bowl. Um, between coaching staff and players, Tom Coughlin and his staff and his players were better than us that day. And um, listen, I've spent so much time talking with Kevin Falk about that game because we, we literally, in a lot of ways, abandoned our game plan in that game um, for – a number of reasons, um, and I'm sure, obviously, if we could go back now, Bill would do it over again. I, I remember Bill after the game. There's a lot of coaches that will get up there and puff their chest out after a game and say, you know, I, I let my team down, and this one, this one's on me, and it's it's almost rhetoric. And I think as former players, you can really look at the coach in the eye and see, does he believe it, or, or, or is he just saying it because it's the right thing to say? I mean, I had never seen Bill so – emotional is not the word, but heartbroken – Hmm. And it had nothing to do with him losing the title of the first coach to go 19-0. and I think he really felt like in some way, shape, or form he had let the 53 down. Yeah. And hmm. um, and I'm telling you, like, you hear that, the, hey, we'll run through a brick wall for that coach or we'll do this. I mean, listen, people get tired of me hearing hearing me talk about him. But for me, like, after four years with Mike Holmgren in Seattle, I wanted to quit. Like, I had lost everything for this game. And then I have a brief stint with Nick Saban in Miami – and was just then completely even more mentally screwed up. I give, <laughs> I, I give, I mean, the, my last six years of my NFL career are solely because of Bill Belichick. And so mm. what Bill built and instilled in me in four years with him is what put me to a level as one of the better fullbacks in the league that Sean Payton wanted to come get me and bring me to New Orleans to offer to that team what I had learned in New England. So, um, listen, yeah, I'm biased against Bill, of course, you know, but – if you listen to my bias, I promise you, as I have with you over the last four seasons, 
we'll win you over with substance in the mm-hmm. sense of, no, he does things different, and he does do it the right way. If Willie and I were ever coaches, our personalities are totally different than Bill, so we wouldn't go in there and try to be Bill. But doggone it, I know, speaking for me, I would do everything the way he did it, yeah. you know, with my personality in the mix of it. And, wow. Dave, and Dave, there's there's a lot of – you mentioned styles. Like, I also – now, look at the three coaches I had in New England. I had Bill Parcells, uh, multiple Super Bowls, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Carroll probably could be in another Super Bowl. Oh, wait, no, no, yeah. <laughs> he, could pro- he could probably be in another Super Bowl. Yep. He already – national championship in college, and, and he, he's already won. So – Already, those two styles are, are totally opposite, and mm-hmm. then you got Belichick, right? So, when you when you look at styles, um, some of the great coaches, a lot of their styles are different, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's about your personnel. I think great coaches, great teachers, they are able to assess talent and personalities and and players, and not just say, "Here's a system. You guys are all going to run my system, mm-hmm. and we're going to do it like this, mm-hmm. and I know my system." That's not coaching to me. A coach is somebody who it's like soft clay. You form your system and the game plan around what you have. And everything's adjustable to make it the best system you can work with. And I think the great coaches that we see are able to do that with once you get that foundation and once that, that, that system is cemented, and you got all the players. Now you can go and get a free agent from here. You can draft guys. You can bring, you know, you can develop. And, you, you know, like kind of like Green Bay. They developed their own. They got a system in place they've had. They know what they're looking for. And they're, they're pretty successful at that. They don't believe in getting a lot of free agents. They want to – it's all homegrown. So it, I, I think a lot of systems work. It's just the coaches and, and, and how they develop and, 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 and how they, they shape their system around the talent. Well, well and- I- Go ahead. And when the priority is first and foremost on mental and physical toughness, it gives you the ability within your system to then change your system week to week to beat the opposing team. So a lot of teams, Hmm. their coaches are maybe only smart enough to coach one system. Well, when the priority is, hey, you got to be really smart if you're going to play here, and then you better be tough, and then you better be able to push through injuries and everything else. And then athletic ability, of course, is always a a, – got to have it. You can't win without athleticism. But the priorities there are those first two things because then you you literally – you can go to the two tight end system. You can bring in a Randy Moss and Wes Welker and change your whole system. Bill comes to me the last day of OTAs and and going into the 07 season. Hey, buddy, I need you to drop 10 pounds with Randy and Wes. We're not going to be running a lot of fullback stuff. You're going to be our short yardage and goal line back. You're probably going to be in all four special teams. I'm not going to find you, but try to get under 250 for me just so we can get you more ready for tailback mode versus. And so then when you have smart players, you can put Willie in 15 different positions because he'll grasp it in a week. And then what he did last week, you go play Peyton. Peyton's, well, well Willie, was his hand was in the dirt. Why is Willie over here? And, and, hmm. why, why, you know? and that's what it gives you the ability. You morph every single week. It's interesting, and uh, I mean, this, just the tip of the iceberg. Forty-five minutes, not nearly enough. I could go <laughs> no. for another three or four here in these uh, the anecdotes. Last thing, then, is like I say, Belichick is mysterious to the public. We don't really know him. Tom Brady seems like a delight in my book. He seems like such a cool guy. <laughs> yeah. You really don't hear much bad about that guy. Willie, tell me something. Is cool guy, Tom Brady. Uh, this. One statement is probably something you could uh, say look at that. about about Tom. It, it, it speaks volumes. He is a better person off the field than he is a football player. Hmm. And I'll just leave it at that. Well, so, Lee, I, I won't let you leave it at that because you told me something interesting once, that win or lose, what does he do when you guys get on the plane? Win or lose – what did I tell you? You told me he goes to the back. He gets the Watch, last row of the plane and starts uh, watching looking his at, game tape. Look, looking at game tape. Oh yeah, oh well, yeah. I mean that. That that's doesn't a mean given. he's a cool guy. Yeah, that, but it, just the it's never. Thing. Well, here's the thing about Tom and and Heath could tell you this too. You it, don't have to keep showing it against it's, the it's steel. Never, I don't like that. It's never enough. No. Like he, get, he this kid loves football. Hmm. Like when 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 you have to work so hard to get in that position where everybody's always telling you ah. Uh, that was good, but we're going to go with this guy, or, mm-hmm. or, or we're going to start you off here, or you get drafted in the sixth round. It, 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 it never gets old because you remember all the hard work and dedication and the sacrifice and the commitment, something we always say, you know, hard work, sacrifice, dedication, and commitment that you put into to getting where you are. That didn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Like his success didn't happen because he just came out of – 
came out of high school or college great. He worked at it every single day. And he understands that a player, I might not be as athletic as a Cam Newton or Aaron Rodgers or Andrew Luck or these guys, or my arm may not be as, as strong as some of these guys, but you're, not, you're never going to be out prepared. Um, I'm going to work. I'm going to outwork you. I'm going to be one of the first ones in and last ones out. I'm coming in on my off day. I'm going to know everything you throw at me, and I'm going to – I'm a, I'm a, perform at the highest level I possibly can every single week. And I'm so competitive that if we're pitching pennies, if we're betting on two roaches racing, whatever the case may be, it's it's, going to happen. I'm game. I'm in. So that's the kind of guy you got with Brady. Humble superstar. Yeah, he really, and those I, two words, most of the time, most of the time it's like Floyd Mayweather. Mm-hmm. I'm a superstar. I'm the best there's ever been, and I'm going to tell you about it. Tommy, yeah. like he, I, the first day I walked in New England, that long hallway where Bill's office mm-hmm. is, and then down to the cafeteria. That's changed now because they redid the whole thing. They made it all perfect. Now we're yeah. gone. It's right. great now. But this hallway was about 40 yards long. And I walk in, mid-season of 05, Brady passes the tee where I lose sight of him, comes back, walks all the way down the, the hallway. Hey, Heath, man, great to have you here. Like, knew my name. Like, hmm. he just – of course, I knew who he, he just reeled off three Super Bowls. And so – but just – yeah. The, everything and it's not showmanship. It's not so you'll think kindly of him. It's just who he is, hmm. and uh, love that dude to death. Easy to root for, and it's confusing, like you say. I'm a Steelers fan. You never fan. rooted for him in those <laughs> big games. Let me tell you something. Against Pittsburgh, given, I knew given what you the were field saying. that's remaining, I am rooting for Tom Brady and, <laughs> the, and the Patriots. Well, you guys this time are out. That's Well, why. you guys have confused me. I always say that. <laughs> it's it's not fun to meet Willie McGinnis after being tormented by the Patriots in the in in. Uh, title games over and over and to find him to be a nice guy and now Heath on top of it. I don't like it. It, le- it creates it creates confusion for me. Um, la- very last thing, Pat Patriot or Flying Elvis? I like Pat Patriot. Yes, of course. Yeah. How about you, right? Yeah. But they got to keep it until Brady retires. They got to keep Flying Elvis, then they can go back to the You can go back red. and forth. I would say, you know, have more have more of those throwback games. Just, just You can still stay Flying Elvis because that's where they have the success, but – Bring back, you know, Pat Patriots. You're the time. one up in the coach in the uh, owner's box. Tell uh, Mr. Kraft about it. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Listen, great times <laughs> with Heath Evans and Willie McGinnis. Really appreciate the time, yeah. fellas. Great stuff out of you. And uh, good luck to your Patriots mm. over these next few weeks. All right. Well, great stuff from Heath and Willie. And prior to that, Elliot Harrison, make sure you track him down at Harrison NFL, or is it NFL Harrison? I think it's Harrison NFL. I, you know what? He's gone. It really doesn't make it. No, Harrison NFL is how you find him on the Twitter. And good luck to his Cowboys. Good luck to your team. I can no longer say unless they're playing my team because my team already lost. Um, we will be back after the divisional round, though, in front of the championship weekend to get you ready for those ones. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.